Man, Christians living in America, we oftentimes will put our stake in the ground on things that have little to no uh, thing to do really ultimately with the gospel. Sometimes we fight the wrong battles. We get really excited about things. We get really riled up about certain things that we just make bold proclamations and we get in really deep arguments with people about and we separate ourselves from other people because of how aggressive that we will get with our thoughts or with our opinions really and fighting the right battles while living in the noise living in the tension of being a Christian in a world that's not Christian in a culture that's not conducive to loving Christ and making his name known that's not conducive to glorifying God living in a culture where that's not their goal living in a culture where it seems like that we're at odds with everything that the world wants to stand for and value and Jesus said don't be surprised when the world hates you when the world despises you he said they hated me and despised me first and so there's this idea, man, that when we're living in this world that we're fighting these battles and the, the, this matters a lot because we can unintentionally hinder the gospel. We can unintentionally hinder our message because we alienate ourselves. We can alienate ourselves in our pursuit of championing a Christian utopia here on earth when we must realize that this world is not our ultimate home. That we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Amen, church? We have to realize that the goal is not to create Christian utopia here on earth, but rather we are called to live holy to God. So how do we live in the noise, in the middle of all this chaos? How do we live in the middle of this without compromise, but also without pushing away those who don't know Christ because we're supposed to stand for things? Of course we are. We're supposed to plant our flags in the ground on things. Yes, of course we are. We're supposed to be holy, as Pastor Evan shared last week. But at the same time, man, how do we do it without pushing away those who don't yet know Christ? How do we do it without us hindering and creating unnecessary obstacles in our message that we carry? Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to continue in our series going through 1 Peter uh, verse by verse, we're going to look at a portion of First Peter 2 today. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but we're going to go through um, the first 12 verses. And so let's read just this first one here. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So Peter is telling the church, this is instructions, to Christian people, people who are living in the middle of all of this noise, all this chaos of their day. He's telling them, listen, you guys who are here, put away all of these things. Because he had just finished speaking about this concept of holiness, which Pastor Evan unpacked last week. And then he says, okay, because you're called to be holy, as I am holy, because I'm calling you out, you're supposed to be set apart, you're supposed to be different. Because of that, I want you to put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. And I couldn't help but notice that when I was preparing for this message, as I was reading through those first few uh, ideas that Peter was unpacking in chapter 2, as I was reading even those words that he gave just this short little list, it seems that those things that he just named 
are sometimes the very reasons that people give for not coming to church or not wanting to be a part of Christ-centered community. Is because those things exist, unfortunately. Look at this. Let's, let's examine this for just for a minute. Let's hang out here on verse 1 and let's make ourselves real comfortable, okay? He says, put away all malice. What is malice? It's this idea that I'm wishing evil upon someone. I want them to fail. I want to see harm come to them. Someone who's most likely wronged me or someone who's done something that I disagree with or something that I think is not right. And man, I want to see them get what's coming to them. I'm wishing that on them. I'm desiring that from them. Maybe I'm even trying to be complicit at some level at trying to create some sort of hurdle or obstacle or difficulty for them because I don't like them. I don't like what they've done. I don't like the, uh, the things that they've chosen to do. I don't like the situations that they've put me in. I don't like how they have offended me. And so therefore, man, I really want to see them get theirs. And he says, put this away. You're supposed to be set apart. You're supposed to be different. Deceit. What's that word deceit mean? It, it's this idea of leading someone to believe something to be true that is not true. That can even be deceit in the sense of who you are. That you are leading other people to believe that you are something that you're really not. You have another agenda. You have another goal. You have something else that you're doing. You have another end game and you're not being transparent with that. You're being uh, deceitful with that. And so we create these false realities that we want people to buy into. We're deceiving them in order for us to control outcomes, for us to control the way we're viewed, for us to be accepted by certain people. Peter says, put that away. Put away this malice. Put away this deceit. He said, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Put away this double standard where you're, you're, you're championing one thing with your, with your voice and with your words and you're saying you're a part of something, but man, your life does not reflect that at all. He says, put this away. Envy, where I'm looking at something that someone else has and I want that thing for my own and I feel that it's not right, it's not fair because I've done this and I haven't done this and, and this person shouldn't get that or deserve that. And we look at each other through that lens and we begin to develop envious tendencies and thought patterns in our lives and it affects and influences our heart. Slander, this one isn't a problem in churches at all, is it? <laughs> Unfortunately, all of these things come from the heart. Slander, where I'm speaking negatively towards someone or about someone. I'm not being loyal to the absent. I'm actually uh, hurting them with my words without them even present in the room. And I'm speaking things and I'm, I'm attaching together these theories that I've put together that I am... Uh, perpetuating as truth and pandering as truth to other people and I'm putting other people down and I'm complaining and I'm griping and I'm being extremely negative and I'm slandering that person and it's hurting the way other people are viewing them and it's actually making me look better in my own eyes because look at how terrible of a person that is and he says this type of stuff should not be among you as people of God it's if it's in the world if it's from those who don't know jesus expect that he says but you're different you're called to be set apart you're called to be holy 
And so these things that were common behaviors, common patterns, expected patterns before you knew Christ, you should put away these types of behaviors. Put these things away. These things are oftentimes, unfortunately, associated with Christian community, and no one wants to be a part of something like that. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 the Apostle Paul says very clearly that we're ambassadors of Christ. You've heard me teach this many, many times if you've been around BCC longer than a week or two. That we talk about this concept always because we must be aware that we are representatives. We are ambassadors. We are carrying the message of the gospel. And it's not just the message that we carry by which we speak. It's the message we carry and by which we live. Every single day, in every interaction, in every conversation, with people who agree with you and see things your way, and with people who don't. Man, it's easier for us just to associate and surround ourselves with people who agree with us, right? It's a lot more fun, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with spending time with talking to, befriending people who agree with you and who think like you. That's not a bad thing. When it becomes toxic is when we view those who don't think like us as the enemy. When we begin to look at them through a toxic lens and we begin to think towards them in ways that are not Christ-like and it hinders our message because we forget that we're not, that that, that we, we forget that we're ambassadors. We forget that we're representatives. We began to think of our own opinions higher than the mantle that we carry of the gospel. We began to think of our own opinions getting heard. We began to think of the things that we want to share and the things that we don't think are right and fair. We think that those things all of a sudden become more important than the gospel. And can I tell you, there's nothing that could happen in this earth and in this life that could change, nothing that could be altered. No president put in office, no mayor, no governor put in office that was just your favorite, that you loved, that made all the decisions that you liked. No boss at your company who could just be ideal and perfect and everything could go your way. There is none of that that matters in the grand scheme of you being a representative of Christ. Because Peter writes this to the church in the middle of the Emperor Nero being in authority, the Emperor Nero being in power. What a what a horrible time to write such things. To like put away all of this type of talk and all this discussion, to put away all of this stuff. Man, if anybody I want to slander, it's Nero. And I feel like I have just cause to slander Nero. Nero hated the Christians. He persecuted the Christians. A really sad and twisted fact, a little fact for you, is the fireworks that we shoot off called Roman candles, that name comes from burning Christians alive at Nero's garden parties. He would dip them in oil. There's a famous painting that you can see of of all of these people who are wrapped up on these poles and who are lighting his garden parties while they're drunk and partying and all that stuff and they were Roman candles. These are the types of things that Nero would do to Christians and and, and now Peter, are you sure? (laughs) 
Are you sure I'm supposed to put away slander? Are you sure I'm supposed to put away these things? Because I'm pretty mad. Are you sure I'm supposed to put away malice, Peter? Yes, because the gospel that you carry is more important than things in this world and in this life going the way you want them to. And when we lose sight of that man, we become very self-focused. And we become very much on this pathway to the selfish agenda that we will elevate above God's agenda. And if I remember correctly, there's a little prayer Jesus taught. It's kind of popular. It's kind of a big deal. He says that let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what that means is that God, your agenda is more important than my agenda. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love what he's saying here. Now, now let's, let's kind of separate something first. Let's deal with this. Because he's talking about long for the spiritual milk. And some of you are automatically thinking, especially if you've been a Christ follower for some time, you're automatically thinking, well, I, I want the meat of the word. I don't, I don't want the milk. That's not what he's talking about here. This isn't saying milk bad, meat good. All right? This isn't what he's saying. So that's a different conversation in a completely different book in a completely different context. All right? So don't associate the two. He's making a point here. What he's saying here is that this idea of longing for the things of God should be likened to the way that a baby, a newborn, longs for its mother's milk. Because inside of that mother, it, it, she possesses the, the, the sustenance that that infant needs to grow and develop in a healthy way. And it's a part of her, and so it's a part of the way that she has been made in order for this to flow through her in order for this child to be nourished, so that this child can have everything that it needs to be able to grow. And he's saying that baby, by nature, has been created to want that, to desire that, because the baby doesn't have to go through a class to learn, your mother's milk is really good for you, you should want that. The baby, the newborn infant, doesn't have to be educated on desiring the milk. There's something in the baby that knows this is the one who gave me life and that person has what I need to help me grow and I want that. And then when that child is connected to that mother in that way, that life flows into that baby, that sustenance flows into that baby to help it grow. And Peter is saying, long for the spiritual things of God. Long for this growth to happen in you like that newborn baby longs. For that milk from its mother. He's saying desire these things. This is what you should be desiring. So he's juxtaposing these two things. These whole concepts of don't be pursuing malice and envy. And all of these other things full of slander, hypocrisy. Being a person that's full of all this. Because all this comes from your desire. Instead, understand that you need to long for the things of God. In the middle of the noise. In the middle of difficulty. Long for these things, desire these things. And he says this, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he's saying if you are a legit believer, 
if you have indeed, if you are legit, and you have tasted, and you have seen that the Lord is indeed good, then you're going to long for these things over these other things. You're going to want the things of God over all of these other things in life. Let's keep reading verse 4. Let's read through uh, 12 today. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, he becomes the stone that the builders rejected, and he's become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now just a quick little side note. He says your interactions with the Gentiles. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. When he's saying that, he's not saying Gentiles in the way that the Jews use Gentiles. Because he's actually speaking to actually a, a Greek people who would have been classified by the Jews as Gentiles. What he's saying here and how he's using Gentiles, he's actually saying the people who are not a part of the family of God. So he's looping in these people who were once classified as Gentiles as people who were a part of the family of God, not referring to them anymore as Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. He's getting rid of that verbiage, and he's saying, no, there's those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. There's those who are a part of the family of God and those who are Gentiles, those who are strangers, those who are cut off, those who are not yet a part of the family of God. And so that's what he's saying here. I just wanted to help you to be able to see that. And so here... He begins to unpack this idea and this tension of living in the noise and being holy. And he's saying to them, listen, you guys, when you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, you yourselves are like living stones. He's trying to help them understand that as they build their lives upon the foundation of the solid rock of Christ, that the same persecutions and the same criticisms that Christ experienced, they're also going to experience. That's part of the Christian life. We should not be surprised by this, right? It shouldn't be like a, oh, what? People don't like me because I'm a Christian? And there's one or two ways to handle this. We can either go, well, that's not right. You should like me because I'm a Christian. It's not fair. I'll tell you what. I think you should like all things Christian because I'm a Christian. And you're asking people who don't know God to accept us as Christians and love us as Christians when the scripture plainly says that Jesus didn't get that luxury. (laughs) 
But yet we expect that from people who don't know God, people who are alienated from the life of God. It's an unrealistic expectation. And so what Peter is trying to get the Christians to realize is that it's not about you being accepted by the world. It's, it's not about you being uh, the, the, the favorite person, you know, at the company party because you're a Christian. No, 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 no. He's helping you to understand whether they accept me or whether they reject me, Christ is worth it. And I am a representative of Christ and a container of this good news that brings hope to mankind. That's what he wants us to realize. Some people may accept you. Praise God for that. That's wonderful. And some people may reject you. Praise God for that. Because Jesus said when that happens, you're actually sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And it's for the glory of God. I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm going to be real with you. I don't like sharing in sufferings. I don't like difficulties no more than anyone else. But yet in Scripture, I'm told, don't be surprised. He said, actually, those who have rejected Christ, he's not the cornerstone necessarily for them because they're not building their lives on him. He's actually, that stone becomes a stumbling block of offense. So instead of them building their lives on Christ, they actually stumble over this rock and they're angry because of Christ. And so people who are angry at this stone that they keep stumbling over, they're going to act out of their anger. And that's exactly what you see in our world today. You see people acting out with their anger towards Christ. And you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can label it with whatever kind of label you want to label it with. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, they are angry because they are rejecting the Son of God. The world is angry because they don't want to receive this free gift. They're rejecting. They're stumbling over this stone. They're offended. That's why it seems like every other religion in the world can get away with stuff. But man, a Christian gets in trouble for so much. Why do you think that is? Do you think that it's just not fair? No, Peter said it would happen 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Peter said, don't be shocked by this, man. People who don't believe, he said, they're acting like they were destined to act. They're behaving like they were destined to behave. Don't be surprised when they behave this way. This is how people who don't know Christ behave. And so for those who believe, man, understand you're chosen. You're part of this royal priesthood, this holy nation. You're called to be set apart. You've got a purpose. You're representatives of Christ. And don't think it's your job to somehow spend the rest of your life trying to earn favor from people who don't know Christ. No, keep living the gospel, keep presenting the gospel, keep loving well, and the Holy Spirit of God will open their eyes. Keep praying, keep depending on Christ, keep being that light, that witness. We have to understand this. So here's our big idea for today. Stop adding to the noise and focus on adding to eternity. Oh man, I think that's like one of the best ones I've come up with so far. <laughs> I wrote that in Africa, y'all. <laughs> I did, I actually did. I'll share a little bit more about my trip next week. Um, but uh, anyways... Man, I, I'll tell you, if we could stop adding to the noise and instead focus on adding to eternity, it would completely change this whole thing. 
it would completely change this whole thing. You see, Peter gives examples, which we're going to go through next week. He talks about submission to authority. He talks about act, how we act as Christians towards an unrighteous government, towards a relationship between a slave and master, towards a relationship of a husband and wife. And all three of those examples that he gives following this is this idea of how our attitude and our heart's position should be towards authoritative roles in our lives as a follower of Jesus. And the reason he wants us to learn how to respond towards roles of authority in our life is because as a follower of Jesus, we should not do anything that would hinder the gospel by us responding in a way to that authority that we may not like that brings unnecessary criticism to the gospel. Because we understand we're a representative of Christ and we can get swayed into easily planting our flag on the wrong hill. We can get caught up in the temporary things of this world. We can get caught up in these things so much that we lose sight of what really matters and that's the gospel. That eternity matters a whole, whole lot more than upcoming elections. That eternity matters a whole, whole lot more than what policies pass or, or what policies get, get, get shot down. That eternity matters a whole lot more than any of these things that we can get so wrapped up in that we can care about them more than the gospel. And yes, if we got certain people elected and certain policies passed, it would make certain things easier. Praise God when that happens, right? The scripture says when the righteous rule, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the righteous rejoice, right? And, 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 and that's because it does make some of those things easier. But what if it doesn't? What do we do then? Do we pout? Do we get angry and full of malice and envy and bitterness and strife and slander? Or do we still live in the middle of the noise, not giving a handle to those who would watch our conduct and see our life being lived towards Christ, whether things are going our way or whether things don't go our way? Oh, man. Eternal impact is more important than us getting our way. I'm going to say that again because some of you were not quite so sure about that last thing I said. Eternal impact is more important than us getting our way. I want my way. And sometimes, man, I want good things and I want right things. And, and I'm not saying the things you want are bad or the things we as American Christians want is, is wrong or bad. I just can't want those things more than the gospel. I can't want those things more that I, 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 I lose sight of my mission. That I lose sight of loving and serving my brother and sister in Christ. And I keep away from negative speech. And I keep away from division. And I keep away from gossip. And I keep away from all these hurtful, harmful, hypocritical things that hinder the gospel. And the world looks and the world says, man, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. And it's not Christianity. If we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we're going to desire the things of God. <laughs> are we desiring the things of God? Are we legit? Are we just playing a part? Are we just memorizing a script? Are we missing it? So how do we respond to these things that we cannot control? How do we know we're fighting the good fight? Because we, we, we get so angry and we want to fight. We get so angry... And some of us, we want to post and repost and like and share and comment and comment wars. 
Amen or oh me. How do we respond, man? Because at the end of the day, I just, it's not right. I know. I know it's not right, but here's how we respond. You ready? We're going to go back to the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read it again. Verse 11 and 12. Underline this. Highlight this. Memorize this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, what? Honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Hmm. So the way that you interact, the way you react, the way you respond, when it's anchored and rooted in the gospel, and the gospel becomes more important to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes more important to you than you're getting your way. All of a sudden, now it tempers the way I act and I react when things don't go my way. I'm much more concerned about eternity than I am me getting my way. I want my way. Oh, you don't even know. I want my way so bad. But I have to deny myself, take up my cross. Amen? That means washing the feet of those around me, especially those who are of the household of faith, it starts in here. Because if we can't do that in here with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how on earth could we do it outside of here? That's hypocritical. We set the tone and set the pace for how we treat each other here. The way we interact, the way we process information, the way we process offense, the way we process keeping unity and fighting for that unity the way we exercise humility, the way we submit to one another uh, in a God-honoring way, and we do it as unto the Lord. How are we supposed to do that to the world and show them the goodness of God if we can't even figure that out here? Man, eternity is more important than me getting my way. So here's what we have to ask ourselves, church. Are my social media posts an outfit of rage, are they adding to the noise or are they adding to eternity? Are my attitudes towards my church adding to the noise or adding to eternity? Are my attitudes towards my neighbors, are they adding to the noise or is it adding to eternity? Are my attitudes and the way that I'm behaving, the way I'm acting, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm judging, the way I'm criticizing, the way I'm loving, the way I'm serving... Is it adding to the noise or is it impacting and adding to eternity? My conversations, both public and private, because we can get pretty good at managing the public conversation. It's the private ones we have. Are they adding to eternal things or is it just me venting because I'm not getting my way? You see, our desires must align with Christ's. This is why we have been doing our prayer focus this year as a church. At the very beginning of the year, I gave us four things to focus on. And we pray these things every Monday during our, our time of prayer. You can always come and gather with us from 6 to 9 a.m. We have a little time of worship at 8.30, and then we kind of have a more collective corporate prayer here. And you can also join us online. That is streamed from 8.30 to 9 every Monday morning. But I want us to pray these things, man, daily. Those things were this. If you remember... The first one was a greater humility and repentance. A greater spirit of humility. Because if I'm being humble, I'm going to repent. 
And repent doesn't just mean I'm sorry. That's half of the equation. It means recognizing I have sinned, but it also means turning away from that sin. It's a recognition and acknowledgement combined with a turning away from. That's repentance. Repentance and, and, and humility. I have to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Like, that's what I have to do. So if I'm going to be successful in this, I, I want to pray, God, give me a, a greater spirit of humility. Let me not think more highly of myself than I should. Let me not elevate my own opinion higher than I should. Let me ask myself questions. Is this adding to the noise or is this adding to eternity? Second one I ask us to pray for is greater unity on mission and vision for our church. Because God has called us to do something that's bigger than Sunday, it's bigger than Bettendorf, and it's going to make an impact beyond our lifetime. And for us to be able to step into that and to trust the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we can't do in our own strength, we've got to be unified on that. That was Jesus' prayer. He said, Lord, make them one as we are one, that we become of one heart, of one mind, of one voice, not competing, not being angry towards one another and sinning against one another, but being humble towards each other, washing each other's feet, loving each other, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, wanting the best for one another, being unified on the vision that God's called us to and the mission that he's called us to. Because I don't want to hand out t-shirts that say for these cities and for all people and we wear them, but it's not who we really are. Amen, church? So Lord, help us be unified as a church, the vision and mission. The third thing, a greater love for God and one another that sets a righteous guard over our heart and our mouth. A love for one another, man, that it sets a righteous guard over our hearts and over our mouths. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've been speaking something lately, it's because it's in your heart. So evaluate what's been coming out of my mouth lately. What words have I been speaking? Are they adding to the noise or are they adding to eternity? If they're adding to the noise, then I have to evaluate what have I been putting in my heart. And so, Lord, help me to have a greater love for you and a greater love for my brothers and sisters in Christ that sets a righteous guard over my heart and over my mouth. May I speak things that edify and glorify. And the last thing is a greater heart for the next generation and for these cities because we want what God is doing in us and through us to be handed to the next generation, amen? To where the gospel is being carried forth and people know how to live for Christ and they see the value of it. That they don't just have a bunch of information, but that they've experienced it, they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we've set an example, a pattern. We've shown them, we've modeled it. Even in our missteps, even when we make mistakes, we've, we've modeled reconciliation, repentance, unity, care, amen? We've modeled it. Stop adding to the noise and focus on adding to eternity. Father, help us to do that today. Give us your spirit. Help us to grow. Help us to serve. Help us to be humble. Father, if there's anyone in here who does not know you, or if there's anyone watching online that does not know you, may today be the day of their salvation where they see that you are good 
And as to where before they saw you as a stumbling rock of offense, today, perhaps, Lord, they would see you as that cornerstone that you truly are in which they could build their lives. So may they reach out to you today, confess you as Lord and Savior, acknowledge their need for you, repent from their, their ways, and trust in you with all their heart and not lean on their own understanding. May they follow you today, Jesus. And may we, who are followers of you, Lord, we mess up. We get this wrong. Even those of us who have been walking with you for a long time, we get this wrong because we drift away from remembering what matters. When we do that, Lord, help us to have the humility. The humility the vulnerability, the love to reach out, to be honest, and to seek unity, to seek forgiveness, to seek grace and be givers of grace and receivers of grace, to grow in Christ-likeness and godliness, that even when we stumble, even when we mess up, the world still sees us loving each other, even through turmoil, even through challenges, even through the things the enemy would want to try to throw in our way that would want to trip us up, set us back. So Father, we humble ourselves before you and we declare our need for you today. We declare our dependence on you today. We need you. You are our everything. We need you. And so we ask you to work in us and through us what brings you glory. In Jesus' mighty name.